I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening and welcome to Outbeat News In-Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Tonight we take an in-depth look at two local stories, starting with the 2015 Sonoma County Pride Celebration. A new Sonoma County Pride organization emerged earlier this year, led by some truly dedicated members of our community, and they're promising us a weekend full of celebration. The president of Sonoma County Pride, Chuck Ramsey, is here to tell us more about all of the events planned for this year. And then later in the show, we're going to talk with faculty and students from Santa Rosa Junior College, all about the work they're doing to make the JC's campuses more welcoming for LGBT people. Now, you may not be aware of this, but this isn't necessarily something new. The JC has had an active LGBT employee group for years. But now, under the direction of their new president and the Presidential Advisory Committee on LGBT Issues, the JC is ready to take it up to the next level for LGBT students and staff. All of this is coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio news for this Sunday, May 24th, 2015. I have found Outbeat Radio news, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. An unexpected call by the president of the Boy Scouts of America on Thursday for an end to the organization's blanket ban on gay adult leaders was met with pointed reaction from local scouting leaders. Wendell Baker, assistant scoutmaster of Troop 234 in Moraga, said, It's about time. I'm overjoyed. Almost everybody wants this to change. It's definitely going to help the Boy Scouts, and it's a change that needs to happen. Robert Gates, the former U.S. Defense Secretary, who's been president of the Boy Scouts for about a year, said the 105-year-old organization had no choice but to revise its policy, opening the way to allow local scouting organizations to decide on their own whether to permit gays as leaders. Gates said, quote, we must deal with the world as it is, not as we wish it might be. The status quo in our movement's membership standards cannot be sustained. He said that state laws that bar discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation make the group vulnerable to being ordered by the courts to change its policy. Gates added, quote, if we wait for the courts to act, we could end up with a broad ruling that would forbid any kind of membership standard, including our fundamental belief in our duty to God and our focus on serving the specific needs of boys, end quote. Baker, the Moraga assistant scoutmaster, is the father of a 17-year-old who's working toward Eagle Scout status. Baker said he became involved in Scouts for Equality, a national group that advocates for equal treatment based on sexual orientation, after his neighbor was kicked out of the Scouts in 2012 because he is gay. The neighbor said he had just turned 18 and was just shy of becoming an Eagle Scout. And last Friday was Harvey Milk Day in California, and this year Harvey would have celebrated his 85th birthday. Harvey Milk ran unsuccessfully for public office three times before winning a seat on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1977. He served from January 1978 until he was murdered by fellow supervisor Dan White in November of that same year. In each race, he campaigned for laws to protect workers from discrimination in employment due to sexual orientation. In 1976, Harvey was defeated in the Democratic primary to represent the eastern half of the city in the California Assembly. Art Agnos won the seat outright that November and pledged to introduce anti-discrimination legislation every session until it passed by the legislature and was signed into law by the governor. Harvey is credited for many things, including prompting the creation of the now-famous rainbow flag by artist Gilbert Baker. 
And here locally, Positive Images announced a new meeting location for the weekly LGBT youth support group. Starting on June 4th, the group will gather at the First Congregational Church at 2000 Humboldt Street in Santa Rosa. Meetings always start at 7 p.m., and all LGBT youth are welcome to attend. You can learn more at pauseimages.org. And Beer Fest, a benefit event for Face to Face, will happen on Saturday, June 6th from noon to 5 p.m. This event brings 60-plus craft breweries to a great tasting event held on the lawn at the Wells Fargo Center for the Arts. The brewers will be serving some of the most creative and diverse beers from around the county and beyond. VIP guests will enjoy early access at noon along with complimentary foods paired with specific beers. BeerFest is selling a limited amount of VIP tickets so that guests do not feel the squeeze in the tent in the first hour. At 1 p.m., the festival opens to general ticket holders. Complimentary food will be available in the tent while supplies last and supplemented for purchase from Bay Area Gourmet Food Trucks. BeerFest started in 1991 and has been growing and evolving ever since. Tickets are available at www.f2f.org. Now here's your calendar of events for the coming week. On Tuesday, May 26th at 1.30 p.m., the Santa Rosa Senior Group will meet at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation at the Glacier Center. On Wednesday, May 27th at noon, the Petaluma LGBT Youth Support Group will happen at Casa Grande High School in Petaluma. And on Sunday, May 31st at 10 a.m., Food for Thought's annual Western Sonoma County Spring and Home Garden Tour will happen. This year's distinctive locations embody the range of architectural and gardening styles in West Sonoma County's unique ecosystem. Noteworthy features include a Balinese-inspired sculpture garden, a totem pole carved by a member of the Haida Native American tribe, and a stunning view of the Laguna de Santa Rosa, all contributing to what promises to be the most striking tour in the event's history. Tickets for the tour are $45 and include a booklet with the destinations of the homes and gardens and a map for the self-guided tour. You can learn more at www.fftfoodbank.org. For more information about LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all the latest LGBT news headlines and your 2015 Pride celebration information, go to our website at OutBeatNews.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from OutBeat Radio News all week long. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia. OutBeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. The 2015 Pride celebration season is just a couple of weeks away, and here in Sonoma County, this year's Pride celebration is happening on June 5th through the 7th in Guerneville. But this year's Pride wouldn't have been possible if it were not for Chuck Ramsey and his team from the new Sonoma County Pride organization. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate being here. Well, it's great to have you. And before we get into the details of this year's Sonoma County Pride celebration, tell us how this new organization came to be. Well, we incorporated last fall as a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. In the past, the Russian River Sisters have been putting on our Pride events. And last year, the Sisters decided to concentrate on their main mission, which is raising funds for charitable organizations through their monthly bingo events. Last year, during Pride, our fiscal umbrella was the Russian River Chamber of Commerce. And a group of people were able to put on a Good Pride event with limited time to prepare and limitations that were set on the event, such as uh, no entertainment and no alcohol sales were allowed. Mm. 
because of this, a group of people decided it was time to raise the bar on pride. We now have a very hardworking, dedicated team of volunteers doing just that. Well, it sounds like it. And it, from looking at the website, we've got some really exciting events coming up. Uh, talk about mm-hmm. what's going to happen this year. Um, we have extended pride this year to the entire weekend. Uh, considering the Supreme Court's decision on marriage equality, our theme this year is equality everywhere. Another initiative that we're working on um, for the first time is documenting and showcasing our local LGBT history. We've had some very prominent community um, leaders that have resided in the river area, including people such as Leonard Matlevich, the uh, gay service member who came out on the cover of Time magazine in the 1970s. Right. Randy Schultz, um, the author of Conduct Unbecoming, Mayor of Castro Street, and the band played on, um, as well as Cleve Jones, who founded the Names Project and the AIDS Quilt. So we're excited to be working on that. Um, During Pride Weekend itself, Friday night will be a first Friday art walk in Guerneville, and afterwards we'll have a Sundance Saloon Country Western Dance at the Guerneville Vets Hall. Saturday, we're also doing something different. Um, we're calling it River Day, and we're going to be encouraging kayaking from Johnson's Beach to Monterio Beach. And at Monterio Beach, the party begins on the grounds of the Rio Theater, where we'll have barbecue, music, games, and LGBT shorts flicks in the afternoon. Saturday night is going to be a disco dance at the Grenville Vets Hall, and we're going to have DJ Rotten Robbie there. And then, of course, Sunday is the parade, followed by the celebration, which will be held at Guerneville Lodge. Yeah, it's great to hear that it's back at the lodge as opposed to mm-hmm. that really small space that we had, you know, in the square last year. Right. We're, it's going to be much better, much better. Outstanding. So tell us about some of the contingents that have already signed up to march in the parade. Uh, first of all, we have our two grand marshals. We have Randy Arnold, who's celebrating his 25th year anniversary with Barefoot Wines. Randy was born in Sonoma County. And Barefoot Wines is the largest winery, donating the most to LGBT Pride events nationwide as well as worldwide. The other Grand Marshal is Bobby Frederick, who you might know. He's the owner or a owner of Rainbow Cattle Company. Mm-hmm. Rainbow Cattle Company is one of the longest operating LGBT establishments in the river, and they have an excellent record of giving back to the community with their Give Back Tuesday events. Great choices. Um, very good, I know. We're, we're honored to have both of them. Um, other Pride participants will include local politicians, uh, San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, San Francisco Lesbian Gay Freedom Band, Hubbub Club Street Band, Russian River Sisters, and, of course, at the end, the R3 Hotel will have their usual festive disco float. Excellent. Well, we had a really good time covering the parade this year, and I know Sheridan and Diane are looking forward to being right on the street there and kind of giving a play-by-play description of what's going on. And then at the Lodge, you've got some great entertainment lined up for Sunday afternoon. Tell us about that. Um, we'll have Rumors, um, a band from Moran returning. Uh, we'll have members of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, uh, Last Comic Standing star Nikki Carr, uh, local singer-songwriter Bobby Joe Valentine, uh, who hails from Petaluma. He's great. We'll have Tora Hyman and her backwards Barbies. And don't want to miss that. Uh, we also have country band Badass Boots returning, and we have our local singer, dancer, actor, Tom Moore. 
Sounds like a lot of fun and definitely something for for people of all ages and families, yeah? Yes, something for everybody. So for people who have not been to a small-town Pride celebration, if, if you've only gone to San Francisco Pride or maybe uh, L.A. or New York, talk about how this Pride celebration is different. Okay. Um, especially I can talk about compared to San Francisco. You can expect a much more relaxed, fun weekend. Uh, we aren't SF Pride, and, of course, we never will be. Um, I love SF Pride. I attend every year. Uh, it's, it, but it's extremely high energy and a little overwhelming at times. And then again, you have the traffic, parking issues, and the crowds that come with the territory. So we are the river, a place where you come to enjoy a fun day or weekend, enjoy things like kayaking on the river, which you can't get in San Francisco, and just simply come and enjoy a great time, kick back, and relax. Excellent. And talk about how the town has responded. Uh, what's the feeling from businesses and others in Guerneville about, you know, Pride sort of expanding back to what it was a few years ago? Well, they're obviously, you know, glad that it's, that it's back on track. Um, we are an LGBT destination. Um, the Pride group is doing well with our sponsors, and people here are, pride of, excuse me, are proud of Pride, and they want it to be successful. The sisters have been generous supporting Pride last year as well as again this year. People here want to, want to work together to make it happen, and, of course, their demographics naturally help us. Great. And, of course, events like this have got to be really very, very expensive to put on from you know, whatever permits you need to have to, to all of the organization that goes along with it. Talk about some of the fundraising that you're doing and, and where the money's coming from. Okay. Um, certainly putting on an event of this size is very expensive. Um, I don't think people realize the costs that are involved. I know I certainly didn't. Uh, we were able to get some large, generous sponsors early on, such as Barefoot Wines and Grayton Casino. Um, we've also done well with advertising sponsors that help us get the word out. Uh, fiscally, we're in a good shape at this point, and we intend on remaining so. Great. And if people want to get involved and help out, what opportunities are available? Um, we're currently looking for volunteers. Um, you can visit our website to sign up for volunteer shifts. We're holding a Give Back Tuesday event next Tuesday at the Rainbow Paddle Company. Um, people can donate raffle auction items or just come and support us by having dinner and a couple of drinks with your friends. And I think the biggest way people can help us is to spread the word to their friends, like us on Facebook, book rooms or camping at our host hotel, Grenville Lodge, and, of course, just plan on coming and having a great time at Pride. Great. And give us the website where people can go to get all the details about events and times and places and everything they need to know. Sure. It's um, SonomaCountyPride.org, and also they can go to Sonoma County Pride on Facebook. Great. A super way to stay connected. And, of course, we have all of the links to all of the Pride celebrations happening in Napa, Sonoma, and San Francisco on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Chuck, I just want to say thank you to you and all of your board members for really stepping up. I think it would be such a shame for Pride to go away in Sonoma County, and I appreciate the fact that you've stepped up to take charge of it and make it happen again. Thank you, Greg. I really appreciate your support as well. And we will see you out there the weekend of June 5th through 7th in Guerneville. Great. Thanks again. And we'll be back with more right after this. He's a guy. She's a girl. 
One of billions as different as stars, suns, and swirls. But it doesn't matter who you are. Someone defines you from afar and puts you in a box, makes you something you're not. Assumptions, stereotypes, like ropes, traps, tricks, something hard to fix. But listen, when it comes to guys and girls, our assumptions, they stick. She's a girl. She cries too much, lies too much, spends too much time trying to look fine too much. She squeezes herself into dresses, stilettos, stockings, and rings. Who is it for? Herself? Some guy? The girl she hates? The girl she wants to sting? She bites the bait of perfection, believing it's real, and now she feels rejected because she can't live up to society's ideals. Whatever. It seems like everything is for someone else. He's a guy. His box is bigger. Not hard to figure since he pumps himself up to make his muscles go large. His ego's in charge. But what often drives him is fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of objection. Of not fitting in. Unable to win. He holds it all in. He controls strong. Can't be wrong. Even when he is. Words define us. Constantly remind us. Looking to align us to a picture that may not fit. She's so pretty, don't stain that dress. He's so gritty, oh look at him, such a mess. Boys will be boys, words they annoy because they're wrong, they don't belong. He's a jerk, idiot, stupid and sensitive. She's so ugly, gross and way too sensitive. Words are cages, traps and snares, beware. You just might buy the lies you must defy. No matter if you're pink or blue, gender doesn't define you. So who are you? 40 trillion cells of human potential, perfectly designed for action, a full-blown walking chemical reaction. You're meant to live, to live to the full till you die and maybe after. So don't live a life of stereotypical indecency and don't just get by when you can be the change you wish to see. Eat, dance, sing, jump, roll, win, die, stroll, run, lift, hug, grin. You are too big for boxes no matter what the talk says. You're free to live beyond the boundaries, to go where the heart leads. You're a fiery rocket about to chart its own path into the starry night, unafraid, unencumbered by small words and small people you're a guy you're a girl as different as stars suns and swirls but be you because that's what's true and if you're just joining us you're listening to outbeat news in depth here on krcb radio 91 i'm greg morelia well, this last spring, I had the pleasure of serving on the accreditation site team visit for Santa Rosa Junior College here in Sonoma County. And among the many people I talked to that week, I met some of the LGBT faculty and staff and learned about some of the new initiatives designed to make the campus a safer place for LGBT students and everyone who attends classes there. And after hearing about some of the great work they're doing, I knew I needed to have them on the show. So I have faculty and staff here with us live in the studio tonight. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. So just so our listeners can get the voices and your names down, let's just go around and have you introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what your role is on the campus. If you're one of the students, tell us what you're studying. Rhonda, let's start with you. Okay. I'm Rhonda Findling, and I'm a counselor at the JC in the EOPS program. I'm also the faculty advisor for the uh, queer student club called United Sexualities and Gender Genders. And I'm also a member of Gay Leaf, which stands for Gay and Lesbian Employees and Friends of SRJC, which has been in existence for many years. I found that really surprising, mm-hmm. and I want to talk more about that for sure tonight. Hello, it's Ricky Andrew, and I am one of the students at the JC and also one of the leaders of the United Sexualities and Genders Club, um, currently taking classes and reaching my AA. 
Awesome. I'm Ashley. I am also one of the leaders of the United Sexualities and Genders Club. I'm taking my general ed classes right now, and next semester I'm taking phlebotomy. Wow. Blood. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm Nick Lawrence. I'm the program manager for fostering kinship care education at the junior college, and um, I work with foster youth, and I'm on the um, presidential advisory committee, the LGBTQ, LGBT, the LGBTQ advisory committee, and um, so I've got stuff to talk about with that. Awesome. So before we get into the questions about the college, um, I'm curious, Ricky and Ashley, were you both out before you came to school? I was not. Um, it took me my second semester to come out to everybody that I know. Um, so that's when it happened. I wasn't. I was. Um, I told my dad about a week before I moved to come to the JC. And him and my stepmom are the only ones who know, but whoever's listening now knows. <laughs> it's out there for everyone yeah. now, worldwide. And, and so how did it go for you? I mean, you both were, were pretty new to being out when you, when you came to campus. Did you have fears about walking onto campus, not knowing this new place? I didn't have any fears. I felt pretty safe at the campus. Um, and I had a lot of good feedback from everybody that is in my life, so I wasn't worried. Yeah, I wasn't scared, really. I was kind of nervous, but... Now that I'm told some people, I don't feel like it's a big deal anymore. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. So Rhonda, SRJC has done so much to bolster support for LGBT students mm-hmm. and staff. But let's. I want to talk about this employee organization because one of the things I was really surprised about when we talked was that this LGBT employee group's been around for a long time. Tell us about it. It has. You know, I've been in, at the campus for 19 years now, and it was in existence when I arrived. I'm not sure for how long, but what I've seen over the years is that the activity of the Gay Leaf group has sort of ebbed and flowed depending on what's going on either on campus um, or just politically in the world. Um, Like I remember about 15 years ago, the group got mobilized around the whole issue of domestic partner benefits, and we had to lobby the, the JC board and and a kind of a wage a battle to get domestic partner benefits, and we were successful, and we did that, and it brought the group really strongly together. Um, we always, you know, try to let new faculty know that we exist and new staff people know that we exist. We, we hold, we try to have social events a few times a year where we have an end-of-the-year gathering and, mm-hmm. and party, et cetera. So we try to have a place, and then the, if an issue comes up, like there was a, a homophobic event that came up a few years ago where during the Prop 8 campaign, uh, a very uh, fundamentalist anti-gay person was speaking on campus with and was in Newman Auditorium, our big our big lecture hall, and there was a lot of anti-gay sentiments being expressed there, and, and the group you know, took some action to try to prevent that from happening mm-hmm. again. So again, it, the group gets more active over the depending on what's going on. Sure. Yeah. And give me a sense. I mean, mm-hmm. SRJC is a huge college, and there's a lot of employees. How many employees are part of this group? Oh, I'm guessing on the listserv, I'm going to guess there's probably close to 30. I'm guessing people on the listserv. It doesn't mean that everybody who's gay sure. is on the listserv, but I'm guessing we have about 30. That's great. Mm-hmm. So what about the student club? Tell us about that. 
Um, we started it this semester for our first time together, and we wanted to do a duo because um, we're busy people, so we just wanted to have someone to fall back on if things didn't work out. And it went out, it went pretty well. Yeah, I think it was awesome, and so, we did a good job. So you mentioned the, the name of the club in the introduction, but tell us that again. United Sexualities and Genders. And, and a lot of colleges and high schools have gay-straight alliances. So why did you pick that name as opposed to a GSA? Well, I think it was because when you hear GSA, people think, oh, only gay people can go, which any I think with our name, it means anyone can go no matter what, um, even if you're not gay. Yeah. And so how many people are in the club? About five solid people come to the club. Okay. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we went on the air is, is sort of this fear that LGBT students have sometimes with with associating with LGBT clubs on a, on a school campus. What's your experience been with that? I mean, how comfortable were you two in starting this and saying, hey, here we are? Um, I was very comfortable. As soon as I came out, I was out. I didn't care if anyone had a problem with it. Um, but I can definitely notice that there is a lot of gay kids on campus and don't want to reach out to us. And you can see that maybe they are fearful about being completely out, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah, I feel like people are afraid to maybe admit it to themselves that they and they should go to the club but they're kind of scared i think Mm, that's one of those that's that's a tough one because you could provide all kinds of services and clubs and have all of that visibility but if students internally are afraid to come i mean that must be a challenge to, to figure out how to overcome that yeah yeah Rhonda, I know that, that one of the things that you have been very much involved in was having the SRJC campus participate in the Campus Pride Campus Climate Index. For our listeners who aren't familiar with that, tell us about the index and what prompted you to get involved. Great question, Greg, because I really didn't know anything about it until I got an email from our Academic Senate president a year ago in April who said that she would like us. She would like me to assemble a team of, of staff to, to take the cl- campus climate survey. And I didn't know anything about it at that point. So it's basically a national assessment tool for assisting campuses in improving the environment, environment for people on campus who are LGBTQ or, and to shape their ed- educational experience and to be more inclusive and welcoming and respectful of LGBTQ. And so, uh, you know, she's, the, the academic senate president sent me the information, and I assembled, I put the word out to Gayleaf, and I assembled a group. There were six of us. Nick was one of them. And we tried to have representation from um, faculty, classified staff, managers. Nick was the manager representative, an adjunct faculty. And we invited students, but the, the day we were working on it, I think they couldn't come. But the, the, it was a very in-depth uh, series of questions that required me to, to solicit um, information from other departments on campus, like the head of admissions and records and student health and campus po- district police, um, human resources, because the questions were just none of us could really answer them without mm-hmm. getting. So we, so we, you know, I did that. We got the information. We submitted the results, and um, and then we got the report, and it was quite shocking to be to be honest. I I was really stunned by how poorly we scored on the report. 
Um, and, and it was very, very informative, in my opinion, because it really sh- uh, shined a light on things that we could be doing that we are not doing. Things that I, 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 none of us really thought about before, I think. So do you remember, um, you mentioned some of the areas that it looked at, but do you remember some of the, the questions yes. or some of the things that it asked? Yeah, in fact, so, the, so it's basically divided into eight different sections. And we, we scored well. It, it, they give you stars. You know, five stars is the highest. We scored five stars on only one area, and that was in our student uh, counseling and health. And um, our, our student health department, who's uh, the director, is Susan Quinn. She does a fabulous job of making sure that they're addressing the emotional needs of LGBTQ students. Um, and that they're very inclusive, and um, their staff are trained, and they have the resources. So we scored a five on that. And then the other area was in LGBT policy inclusion. We scored 4.5 stars on that. And that's questions that have to do with, you know, do we prohibit discrimination in our policies um, on, you know, sexual orientation and gender identity expression, do we offer health insurance? Do we, you know, the same benefits to same-sex partners as we do to to mm-hmm. everybody else? So in that er- that area, we also scored very high, but we scored very poorly, one and two stars on all of the other six areas. Things like LGBT support, institutional commitment, LGBT ap- academic life, um, campus safety, um, recruitment and retention things like that we scored poorly and so as a result of scoring poorly in these areas i took the report i took the kinds of questions they were asking and i put uh, a list of about 22 recommendations together and um we started working on them and uh We've gotten five of them accomplished already just this year. So of 22 recommendations, we've already accomplished five. That's inc- so. that, that's really, really great. And, and one of the things that I think listeners mm-hmm. should be reminded of, because we've talked about this index on the show before, mm-hmm. uh, we work pretty closely with Campus Pride. And we have Shane Winmeyer on every year to, to, to give us an update on what's going on. And this is a survey that colleges and universities across the country use. Um, and more and more community colleges in California are starting to take it. Mm-hmm. Not many have. I mean, there's 100 and I think there's 112 campuses now, something like that. So SRJC is among the few that have even jumped into this water to kind of measure up and see how they're doing. And I wanted to add that um, we, we've completed almost a fourth. And that's a big deal for an institution. Oh, yeah. It's not like mom and dad say, oh, yeah, yeah we're going to go change what we eat for dinner. It's an institutional change, and it's a huge accomplishment. I'm very proud of our campus. Yeah. For, yeah. for example, um, one of the questions in the, in the survey was, do we have gender-neutral bathrooms? And um, on the Santa Rosa campus, which is the biggest of our sites, we did not have a single one. But in fall semester, suddenly we had, I think we have, what, five mm-hmm. or so now, four or five? And that happened in one semester. And that really was the work of one of the managers in the Human Resources Department, Sabrina Meyer, who she she got right on it. She contacted facilities. She says, this is what we need. I helped her find some gender-neutral bathroom signs that other campuses used. And she made it happen. It just, boom, happened. 
So now we have them. We had we had already had one gender neutral bathroom on our Petaluma campus, but now we have several on our Santa Rosa campus. Huge accomplishment in just a, short a very short period of time. The other is um, that we got asked whether we had a safe space, you know, ally program. And we did have that many years ago. We had, a, you know, it was a pink triangle, that, and, and the HR department printed them up for us, and some staff would uh, requested them. And But then it sort of went by the wayside. So we started that up again. We, we created a new, our graphics department created a new logo for us. It's very slick and beautiful and cool. And it says it's a, it's a rainbow design and it says safe space ally. We also got them printed in Spanish because we are now a Hispanic serving institution. And so uh, you can receive the placard in either English, Spanish, or both and post it in your work area or your office. And um, we advertised it in the staff newsletter, and we got tons of requests pretty quickly where people wanted to have them. And then I put together like a – it's like a two-minute PowerPoint presentation on what is a safe space program, why is it important. And we were asking people to view that PowerPoint before sending them the placard. And so it's been, in my opinion, very successful, I think. Um, Ricky and Ashley here can talk about how what it's like to see those placards up in their classes and in and, and around campus and that it has a really positive uh, yeah. influence. So have you seen the stickers or the, the placards in classrooms? Yeah, I have. Yeah, we both noticed them in our classrooms. And, and we were talking again before we got on the air, but, but what difference does that make for you? Or do you think that makes for your, your fellow LGBT students? I think it shows that the teacher or whoever is in the classroom is open to a lot of things and won't judge you or something. Yeah, it, they're, they're really, really valuable. I think that's it's such an important step, and it reminds everybody on campus that LGBT people are present. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. It's very comforting. So tell us about some of the other things that uh, okay, you learned so, from the, the survey. Yeah, so the other thing is that uh, that came out of the survey and the recommendations was they asked us if we had any LGBTQ uh, courses. We didn't have a single one. We have classes where uh, LGBTQ issues are addressed, uh, like we have a counseling class called Sex and Gender. We have a psych class, Human Sexuality. Um, a diversity a class, uh, cultural diversity classes, um, et cetera, where it, those issues are touched upon, but we didn't have a specific, any specific LGBTQ classes. So starting in fall, we're having our first class, thanks to English instructor Abby Bogomoni. We're going to have an English class, English 36, on um, basically a queer literature Fantastic. type of class. So we're very excited about that. Again, that happened very fairly quickly, that development of that. Um, the other is that we, we were able to accomplish pretty quickly is um, it's something called preferred name option. And this is especially important for, for individuals who are transitioning, um, trans uh, individuals who might be transitioning where they have a legal name on, on record and they may be in transition and then when the instructor calls roll and calls that person by that name and they don't identify with that gender anymore but to have a legal name change is a pretty expensive and involved process so we have it now where 
the student can go into their portal uh, online and select a preferred name. And that preferred name is what shows up on the faculty roster. Wow. So that when they're, they get called in class, they're called by the name that matches who they are. Uh, that's inc- that is such a huge, huge step for trans it's students. Huge. Yeah. And a huge shout out to our IT department who made it happen quickly when they had many projects on, on their plate. So thank you, Scott Conrad, Conrad for that. Um, so I'm just curious, wonderful. how many students uh, so far have hundreds, have selected hundreds that option? Hundreds have, have selected it. And that's the other thing is that even though the main impetus for this was for trans students, there are a lot of other students who don't want, want their, to use their, their legal name. Sure. And so it's, it's a benefit to really lots of students because within, within like a month, hundreds of students had already selected a preferred name option. So it's a it's, it's it's just a fabulous uh, change that that happened very quickly. And there's been a trickle down to the staff as well that that's allowed for the staff too. And it used to be our email addresses had our you know partly our mm-hmm. legal name, but now it can show up uh, as a preferred name, and it's it's Bravo. wonderful. Yeah. Bravo! Yeah, that's really good. And I know I can just speak from the perspective of a teacher. It's nice to have that you know, and not have to go through that awkward moment you know where the student. Had, you know, who may be too shy on the first day of class to step out and say, no, I prefer my name to be, yeah, that's really, really right. good. Right. So oh. for all the listeners out there, you can go into your cubby, JC students, and select preferred name and choose the name you want to be called and in I your got, class. I got to tell you, that's pretty unique. I don't know of another college in California that does that. So, Yeah, who wants to be to outed you? the moment you, uh, you know, are taking attendance in class, especially if you're in transition. Yeah. Love it. So give us a couple of the other things that you got done this year that you discovered from the index. So the one of the questions had to do with, does your campus have an advisory committee to address LGBTQ issues? So um, we have also made that happen this year. And that's also thanks to the president of the college, Dr. Chong, who... Um, we, we first had wanted it to be like a, we set it up as a Senate, class, uh, academic Senate and classified Senate um, joint advisory committee. But Dr. Chong said, no, I want this to be a presidential advisory committee. So um, all the constituent groups appointed individuals. Nick is on that. I mean, he could probably talk a little bit more about yeah. what's going on with that. But. The intention is that we will continue to address the recommendations. Um, you know, we've we've we still have a lot of work to do, and now we have a committee assigned to address these issues, which is fantastic. Well, presidents have a lot of people pulling on their coattails, and so for Dr. Chong to step up and recognize, you know, here's this list of 22 pretty significant things that need to take place, and say, look, I want to give this direct attention. Nick, tell us about this Presidential Advisory Committee. Well, first of all, Dr. Chong uh, is a very kind and loving person with a background in social work. And he brings that to the campus. And he um, he pulled us together and he said, listen, I am an ally and I want you to put my name on everything you do and I want you to invite me to stuff. And I want to celebrate the LGBT uh, community on our campus. And I have to tell you that um, I have never been in an educational institution where the president of the institution said that. And I'm 51, and 
I looked around at my colleagues on this committee, and, and we realized that part of the things that happened or didn't happen on that campus climate survey, we were talking about that we just, the fact of the matter is that we weren't being treated badly. So we got used to the fact that we weren't being treated badly, so that meant we were being treated well. And Dr. Chung said, you know what? We're not treating you well enough. I want to celebrate you. And we're all still really high from that conversation from several months ago. And we get together every month, and we're planning ways to be visible and to be uh, inviting and to make it a safe place where uh, no matter what your gender identity or where you are, if you're transitioning, or it doesn't matter, uh, that you have people and that love you and support you. And we're looking at just all these different ways to celebrate. So it's very exciting. And I, I wanted to say also that uh, I think one of the ways this, this whole thing came about was that um, we had a, a, a female-to-male transgender student who was harassed in a class uh, about a year and a half ago or so. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, Rhonda and I got together with some of the other uh, LGBT staff, and we ended up putting together a professional <coughs> development training. And Sabrina Meyer, who was the director of HR, she was at that training. And I think that there's just this, this been this kind of, uh, you know, link, all these different links together that have, we've been made ourselves vulnerable as an LGBT community to our colleagues and our colleagues in turn just embraced us and said, okay, oh my gosh, I had no idea people were suffering. Let's make things better. And that's been this domino effect, which coincided with the survey. And that was the data that we needed to just say, you know, this isn't, this isn't how it should be. So there's just an explosion of really good feelings. So you're meeting regularly, yeah, I assume, monthly, yeah. uh, and using the index as kind of a guide for change and improvement? The index and the, the recommendations that Rhonda made, and then each of us, you know, we have several people, or two people from Petaluma and a student from Petaluma, and we, we're looking at creating our own mission, vision, and value statement, which is big in our college right now. And so we're working on that and um, making a timeline of what we want to accomplish first and um, just basically prioritizing. And we, last week we, we did a, um, a tour of uh, the bathrooms in the gymnasium area. And we have, t- you know, several, mostly for transgender. We're making it a, a, a unisex bathroom, but we also have issues around showering. And so we're, you know, there's, it's not easy, but everybody has been very supportive. That's great. So yeah. talk about some of the things that are planned for next year then off this list. I mean, obviously getting twenty, getting what you've already gotten done in one year is, is astounding in and of itself. I totally agree with you. It's hard to yeah. move institutions. They're like the Titanic sometimes. Right. So you've done a lot already. You know, what's on slate for next year? Well, the, the first thing is to create a way of being visible. And by creating regular outreach to staff and students and um, – I can't answer exactly what order those things are going to happen in, but the first one was is to create a source of funding and to be able to get like a banner for a table so that we can have a table out as well. We were talking about having a location uh, in a uh, high student population area where one of us is there available to do outreach to students and um, – Mostly it's, it's things like that, like how can, what, what kinds of events do we want to have on campus 
that are in support of what the students are doing, where we can reach out to staff, but also to educate each other. So I can't say it's exactly this or that, but visibility is number one and creating um, that welcoming environment. So one thing that the students had asked for was, you know, can't we have something on the JC homepage that, you know, says, hey, this is an inclusive place. And, um, you know, our director of PR understandably said, uh, well, everybody wants to be on the homepage and it's hard to, you know. Right. Put everything on the home page but one thing that um that is going to be happening in june and our, our director of pr of course is fabulous ellen Marmont silver and she's going to feature a gay faculty person and on the on the home page for the whole month of june because it's gay pride month right. and it's gonna say you know i think gay pride month and um, uh, faculty in our in our Spanish department, Susana Ackerman, is going to be featured on the homepage for the whole month of June in support of Gay Pride Month. So, so that, that's some I would say some visibility mm-hmm. that um, would is going to be really, really a great thing. So, from mm-hmm. a student's perspective, you know you've mm-hmm. heard, you've heard about this presidential advisory committee and a lot of the work going on behind the scenes. You go to the SRJC homepage and you see. A banner talking about Pride Month. How important is that to you? That's uh, very important. Uh, it just shows the support that the college that we go to has for us. Yeah, it shows that we're ex- like the college is accepting, and I'll, I know a lot of people when they uh, like apply for colleges, they're going to want to know that mm-hmm. before they go to the JC. It's important. Well, and of course, that's one of the great things about the index as well is that as you begin to accomplish these these things and your star rating, if you will, goes up, you know, that's very, that's going to become very visible to LGBT students who are looking for a safe place. Yeah. I mean, clearly we still have a lot of, of work to do. Um, like we don't have an LGBTQ resource center and, and most universities now I think have something like that. We don't have that kind of thing, like a place where people can go. And I I would love to see that happen or an LGBTQ person that's designated person to go to who's going to help put on a help the students put on events and um just sort of create some visibility or Mm -hmm. mentorship or um you know that kind of thing so we we don't have those kind of things at this point but again now that we have this task force Mm -hmm. or advisory committee i'm hoping more we're gonna see more things and those are the those are the things we're talking about Mm -hmm. that lack of space on our campus is so challenging so we're discussing is there one location where we might sit regularly or will we have a mobile uh you know lgbt outreach kind of table or booth or something like Mm -hmm. that so we're definitely grappling with those all of those well, and the student club had some visibility this year. Talk about some of the events that you, that you put on or participated in on the campus. Um, this year, I think, oh, I don't remember what month it was, but we had a 50s dance. It was a LGBT dance, and a lot of high schoolers came, and it was it was fun. Yeah, um, we there's positive images that helped us, or we helped out with their whole event. It was basically positive images of Santa Rosa. Um, but we added our club members and our assistants to make it a, a better night, and it was a lot of fun. So you had high school students as well come to this? Yeah, yeah because the positive images is for um, younger kids also. So um, the JC provided a space for that to happen, which was really cool. 
and of course, that's one of the things that's that's really important to a college. Of course, is is attracting new students. Yeah, and a lot of I talked to some of the students. They um, they were there to also check out the campus and see if they wanted to go there. That's great. Yeah. And SRJC, as I learned, is huge. It's not just the main campus in Santa Rosa. There's centers. There's Schoen Farm, and of yeah. course, the Petaluma campus. Talk a little bit about now how these efforts are going to touch those places where students go to school. Well, like I said, we have uh, representation on the presidential committee from Petaluma campus as well as the main campus. And we're actively looking for ways to have that visibility at, at each campus, actually. Yeah, that's great. That's really, really great. And it's hard sometimes to get to every spot, you know, and I think you should mention the the web presence is really important too because that is a way that that you know you can touch students all over the place so you know there's a lot to look forward to um you have a long laundry list on the the index Rhonda, for you talk about what you're looking forward to next year well the other area i'd like to see um is we scored only one star in in the uh, area uh called lgbt campus safety in years ago uh, when I was fairly new to the campus, we had something called a hate-free task force, and district police was uh, part of that. We had uh, a system in place for people to report hate incidences, hate hate crimes, bias incidences, things like that, and that has gone by the wayside. And so, consequently, we scored very low in that area. And um, in all the questions, and clearly our, you know, our district police is in transition right now. So I'm hoping once the leadership of that becomes more stable, we the task force can or the advisory committee can work with whoever the new person in district police is to, um, you know, have something in place so that there's a procedure for reporting LGBT bias incidences, hate crimes. Um, there's methods for supporting victims. There's outreach for prevention. There's training. Um, as far as I know, there's from, you know, again, when we did the, the survey, there's no, there's no training to, to the officers on how to deal with um, LGBTQ issues, or right. et cetera. And so I'd love to see that happen on our campus. Mm-hmm. Nick, how about for you? Yeah, I, I'm sitting here being in awe of Rhonda because Rhonda has really been the core of our LGBT team for years. And our committee, our advisory committee has only met a couple of times. So I'm just so grateful that you have the history and the perspective and the, the list because it's really our, you know, our map of what we're using to go forward. But I agree that there's still a lot of harassment of people and a lot of name calling and a lot of dangers. And, you know, I just want to say that I came out when I was 17 as a lesbian. And then I came out again 30 years later as a transgender man. And it's scary coming out. And I didn't want to tell anybody until I was sure there was someone at the college that I could really trust. And that person I met was Rhonda. And mm-hmm. so thank you, Rhonda. But it's it's so important. So I'm I'm so proud of our campus for taking us seriously and wanting to um, express joy about our lives and our um, presence on campus. So all of you listening, come on to the JC because we're going to love you up just right. Good things happening there for sure. 
So, uh, Ricky and Ashley, what's on tap for you next year? Next, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, next year, I, I don't know if I'll be able to help run the uh, club again because my class I'm taking is full term. Like, I have to be there a lot. But I'm looking for someone to help run it because that it's important to me because last semester when I joined I didn't I liked that there was a place for me to go to talk to people but it kind of died out and this semester we both took it and I think I liked this semester a lot good yeah uh next semester for me I'm not sure if I'll be here for the semester but if I am I would hope to continue the club or definitely have someone continue it for us because it's an important thing to have at the JC for sure. Yeah. yeah. So if you are both here next year, talk about in an ideal world what you would like to see that club look like. I think we'd want more people to join because we the people that did go really enjoy the club. They like having a place where they can talk. We don't even have to talk about their issues. They just had they made friends and they felt safe. And I feel like there needs to be a place next semester with the same kind of feel. Yeah, exactly. More people would be great. And and more allies? Or yeah. Are you looking for... We had a few this year. So for a new student who might be looking for that club, the campus is huge. Where would they know to go to sign up and find out about it and know where to meet? Um, the way I found out about it was during a club rush where um, I saw some people and, and I signed up. And that was the way I found out before I went to school though i looked online to see if they had a club and they did so i knew that was there okay good uh there's also a list of campus clubs on the um home on the website of the jc uh in the student affairs so they can find area. out so all the clubs are listed there and the club is listed and then we have club days at the beginning of the semester where all the clubs are out there tabling which is probably how you actually found yeah found out about it and next year, not this year, but next year, we're going to have a booth at um, the Sonoma County Gay Pride uh, Festival. Probably, right. We'll probably be in the parade uh, if we have my way, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll have a booth as well. So we're, we're going to be scoping it out in a couple of weeks, but next year we're going to do a call to everybody who wants to come join us. Well, we have a fantastic brand new Sonoma County Pride organization that's yeah. going to put on something really fantastic this year carry on the tradition and hopefully expand in the future and it would be great to have you all part of that yeah yeah it'd be terrific so we have a few minutes left go ahead oh, yeah. I, I just want to also say to you greg that i was really surprised that you know you, you were on the accreditation team that as part of the accreditation because i've gone through a few accreditation cycles and this is the first time and i i i'm assuming it's thanks to you that these this was even looked at in the accreditation process mm-hmm. which is a state you know a state process yeah, yeah. of of reaccrediting the college every how many is six years every six years yeah and that um you were on the team and you wanted to know what the campus was doing and you wanted to meet with us and i just thought that was fantastic well there's several standards there's several benchmarks that colleges have to meet around diversity and you know 
it's 2015. If you, when you look at contemporary issues around diversity on college campuses, LGBT issues are among the top two or three, and at least in my mind. So do you so think it's, all it's accreditation teams across the state are are looking at at these issues or is it because you took an interest in it or you no know, i don't know i i would hope so mm-hmm. I, you know i think you mentioned the statewide academic senate there's been a lot of conversation around uh lgbt issues statewide from a faculty perspective so you know i i do think it's on people's radar for sure i would like to think that every college is that's going to go through an accreditation visit would have somebody asking those questions um around equity uh, and, and, of course, student equity is a huge issue right now as well across the board. And so including race and nationality and gender, sexual orientation and gender identity needs to be part of that discussion. So I, it would be my hope. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a pleasure to be able to come and ask and, and then to be impressed. Because I, I think one of the things that, that wasn't at least visible to me were all of the great things that you've done. You know, and and so to be able to help make it visible was was really a pleasure to do that. So, well, we are out of time, believe it or not. It went by so fast. Uh, but, you know, Ricky and Ashley, I, I congratulate you on your leadership with students, and thank you for, for doing what you did to have the club this year. Thank you. And good luck in whatever happens next year. Yeah. And Rhonda, Nick, you know, it wouldn't happen without the staff and you getting the the staff and the college motivated your campus community motivated and you know kudos to your president for standing behind you but if you weren't there tugging on the coattails i'm not sure it would have happened so thank you all for being with us tonight thank thank you for having us and we'll be back right after this what if i told you that you could get peace of mind in just 20 minutes and it's free if you've ever wondered if you contracted hiv and aren't sure you can get tested for free confidentially and anonymously with results in just 20 minutes. Call face-to-face at 544-1581 or visit f2f.org. Face-to-face, ending AIDS in Sonoma County, 20 minutes at a time. And that brings us to the end of our hour. My thanks tonight to all of our guests from Sonoma County Pride and Santa Rosa JC. Don't forget the Sonoma County Pride celebration is happening starting on June 5th, running through Sunday, June 7th, with the parade at 11 a.m., followed by the festival starting at 12 noon at the Guerneville Lodge. I'll be there at the festival with Sheridan and Diana taping our Live at Pride radio show. So be sure to stop by the KRCB Outbeat booth and join us on the air. You can learn more about this year's Pride celebrations happening in Sonoma, Napa, and San Francisco, all on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And I'll be back next Sunday night with Gary Carnavelli for an Outbeat Extra. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. You can listen to our shows on demand on iTunes and on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us all week long on our Facebook page and Twitter feed for the latest LGBT news from here in the North Bay and beyond. You're listening to KRCB-FM Windsor, Santa Rosa, Radio 91. Online all the time at krcb.org. It's just before 9 p.m. Stay with us. Open Space District is next.